first of all, what do you what do you kind of make of this space? This is a, a fantastic space uh, for the Shivering Truth. So, what are your first kind of impressions of this? Um, well, I uh, <laughs> I think it's really interesting. It's that's the one thing I would say is it's so dark and like and kind of um, uh, you know it, it really it really lives within that like horror realm, and I think that that's interesting. It's interesting to me how much. Uh, people are thinking of The Shivering Truth as a, a horror genre show. Um, I mean, I get it, and I love horror, but uh, it's funny because I don't think Vernon and I sort of ever thought about it in that regard. So it it's kind of, um, I'm kind of wrapping my head around what that means about the show. And, uh, and so I think this space is making me think about that. And then what I also like about the space is that it's really intricate and... Um, and uh, kind of uh, detailed. There's a, there's just a random, there's random uh, weapons floating up, up above us, and there's ants crawling along the ground. And, oh, I didn't see the ants yet. Yeah, they're in that. Well, oh, I can show you where they are. <laughs> um, we'll take a tour. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that the lines in the walls on the left and right sort of look like veins, like sort of like our flesh cathedral from yeah uh, the second episode of, of season one. So that's it's interesting. It's interesting to see this. I love the I love the weapons hanging overhead like the swords of Damocles, uh, very much as a, as a nod to perhaps one of the characters in season two. Uh, yes. Maybe knows they're there, maybe doesn't. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we can see them, but he can't. <laughs> so speaking of, you mentioned that uh, you and Vernon didn't necessarily see this as a kind of like horror genre, but take me back a few years. Whenever you two sort of started working together, what was the genesis of the idea for the Shivering Truth? Yeah, so for us, um, I guess we always wanted to tell kind of existen existential crises type stories. We, we really, we're obsessed with kind of big themes and telling those big themes through intimate means. And so I've said this before, so I feel I, I don't want to like repeat myself, but it is like very much kind of part of what it is for us, what the show is for us. Is is using like um, emotional uh, language, like metaphors and, and poetic language, to to talk about big subjects that are scary and scary in an existential way, <laughs> you know, or in a, a sociological way, or um, yeah. Uh, and we, and see, it's funny. I use the word scary. I never really the the word horror. I never really thought about. It's uh, in the scary genre. Um, I, I, I think, um, we also just always really wanted the show to be, uh, sad a little bit and pretty, but also funny. So combination of those things, uh, yep. is, is what we've been trying to do. Yeah. That dark humor really does come through. And I think it, it reaches a, a specific audience, maybe more so than most. It, it feels kind of, maybe not tailored to, to a specific niche audience. Maybe I'm just elevating myself to that uh, <laughs> to that audience <laughs> level because I happen to love this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, when you say I'm just I'm just curious what you mean um, as far as like because it, it is very much um, I think we're very um, we we don't want to play down to the audience ever. We want the audience to come and find us and meet us at at the thing. Um, so I like what you're saying about that because I feel like we. We, our, our references that we use are really um, 
<laughs> distant and dry and 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 uh, and not things that I think uh, a normal uh, TV viewing audience would think of immediately. Um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, so even before we get into the kind of nuts and bolts of the actual hands-on, you know, animation process, I see that you're listed as also, in addition to, you know, co-writer, director, EP, you're also production designer uh, on this season, is that correct? Yeah, so this season, sorry, I just made my camera go really far away, wait, hold on, <laughs> sorry, okay. I, I'm obsessed, I'm of course, like, trying to frame this in a way that I like, which is... Uh, sorry, okay. Um. No, I figured you would be. I'm going to leave all that up to the, the tech side because I don't yeah, want to ruin anything. Look, yeah, I look nice for us. I, like, I'm, like, trying to, I'm trying to get the angle right so my feet don't look like they're floating too much. Um, okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this season, we can't quite, we kind of don't have the budget for, um, a legit, awesome production designer. Um, so I... I took it on this season because in the past, uh, what we were trying to do was have our con our concept artists do production design, and but we didn't, we weren't able to give them kind of the time to do that. And um, I, I sort of, Vernon and I are already so specific about what we want that I was like, let me just, let me just try this um, and and get there with it. Um, I also worked really closely with my art director on the production design too, uh, and my um, I had a coordinator, uh, and so I, with those two guys, I was able to have um, the mental capacity to get it um, into a place I really uh, was pretty happy with this season. Um, I I still don't consider myself a, like a production designer, but I really um, I really like uh, what I, that I was able to be very specific, um, with stuff <laughs> this season. And because there's so many elements that go into every single part of the show that, um, every little thing is talked about. Every tiny thing you see, we had, we made a decision about. So down to the color of the smallest prop, there's a reason for that. Actually, something I haven't talked about at all is in this season, there's, um, series of there's 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 more of almost everything than there was season one but there's a series of inventions like sort of um science like like science like artifacts i don't know how to explain it exactly um but uh like machines that that do things and um Vernon and i really wanted those all those machines to feel like they all kind of came from the same mind or the same company, or the same place. Uh, so, so we had to maintain a, a design quality of of those things throughout the episodes. Um, they don't they don't have anything to do with each other, like except for that. So, and that they all do things that like they all they all um, do weird stuff. <laughs> uh, so that that was something. And then also this season we have more demons than we had last season. We had I think like one and a half, I would say, demons. Um, and this season we have about four demons. And designing demons is really fun. So uh, we got to do that too. And there's a, and there's, you want them to be their own character, but also you want them to live within the overall brand of the show so, and within their environment. <laughs> 
And speaking of, of environment, too, uh, I, I had a chance to check out the first three episodes of the new season and, you know, love kind of getting back into this world where I, I literally have no clue what's going to come around the next corner uh, at any given moment, uh, including, you know, you got to design a lot of new environments. You already mentioned you have quite a few more kind of hero characters. What were maybe some of the bigger challenges of going from season one to season two as far as did you want to up the difficulty level? Did you want to increase the number of characters? What what were your ambitions for season yeah. two? And then how was it to kind of uh, execute them? So I would say that our ambitions for the show in general are always to keep pushing and pushing at what we've done before and to always be doing something different and adding a new element to the thing um, in every regard. That uh, And so I would say that we, uh, this season... We definitely have more characters, and we definitely have more sets, and we had um, than we had last season, like almost more than double, and that was extremely challenging. And I don't even still right now. I don't know how we did that. I don't know how we got all of those episodes done. Um, and I I feel like um, we. We really wanted to expand the world. We wanted the world to have more exterior spaces that we could also use. Vernon and I were also trying to make those exterior spaces somewhat modular so that we could use them for multiple episodes by redressing them. Um, and we were able to do that, but that also didn't necessarily help production. Uh, it kind of like it. It it kind of. It, it helped in some ways uh, in the building and fabrication side of things, but on the shooting side of things, then it got a little compounded because um, we were expected to shoot on that set more often right. than we were actually able to. So, so we we had to sort of um, be really resourceful and smart with with breaking apart the modular pieces and and uh, so that so we have a lot more exteriors. We have a lot more variation within our interiors like almost every character has a house that they live in that things a lot of stuff happens in and we had to design that house for that character specifically um and then we have uh we have a, a, in episode one we have an enormous grocery store that we're only inside of for i think a minute or something or, or right. maybe two minutes but i love this grocery store it was supposed to be you know sort of like a a kind of um uh, 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 you know, independently owned kind of natural style, uh, uh, you know, like independently owned Trader Joe's style place, you know, uh, and so we wanted it to have that kind of palette, that kind of like nature branded palette, uh, and and then it feels small but also feel big because it needs to feel like a, a real grocery store. So it's fun. I love grocery stores in real life, so I really liked the. Um, I just like the way they look because it's layers of layers of repeating patterns and textures and and stripes of color and that are like matching. So I was trying to. I used actually a bunch of photos uh, of my own photos of grocery stores that I had taken throughout the years as reference for this grocery store to make it look right. Uh, yeah. That's really interesting because I think I'll now be looking at grocery stores in a very different way. It's just something that like I would not have noticed, but it it makes sense that you would, you know, specifically for this show too. But I think it bears repeating that, you know, this is stop motion animation. So like you said, attention to detail has to be paid for literally everything that's 
on screen because you have to create it, you have to rig it, you have to set it up in a way that it's going to be able to move in the shot in, in a way that makes sense. So can you talk about maybe some of the challenges of the effects work? Because this show, unlike a lot of sort of stop motion animation, doesn't necessarily abide by the rules and laws of physics or reality. It kind of will do its own thing, uh, whether that's demonic possession or kind of Cronenberg levels of body horror. So can you talk about maybe the effects work and how you pulled off some of the more uh, grotesque or uh, surprising effects on the show? Oh my gosh. Um, so my brain is kind of scrambled. I'm trying, are you, do you have um, a specific moment that, that you're thinking of or oh, do you well, want me to talk? Yeah, we can tie it into, now this is a little minor spoilery from season two, but speaking of the grocery store clerk, uh, once he starts kind of prodding at, let's say, the interior recesses of his mind and brain, uh, there's an effect yeah. that happens uh, throughout the rest of that episode. So something like that, you know, in, in traditional animation, wouldn't be that difficult. Even in live action stunt yeah. sequences or props, not that big of a deal. But for stop motion, how did you pull something like that off? So... <laughs> <laughs> uh so the gushing that happens yeah. uh he um so uh, i was very lucky this season to uh produce this show with a company in portland called house special yeah and they are Former like uh, a house right they 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 sort of um were birthed as a sister company from like a to right. do commercials and then um i think they uh now they're separate entities but okay. there's still a lot of people there who um, have worked with Leica and still do work with Leica occasionally. Um, and they, they're, they, the people who work there, and also just in general, the stop-motion teams in, in Portland, Oregon, are the best in the whole world. And they are, um, they've been doing it for over, well over 20 years, yeah. um, if not more. And... Um, they're, in, they're genius, and I'm so lucky that we're getting to do the show in Portland with them. Um, and how special, especially, <laughs> they're, um, a lot of them are, um, like, lifers. And they're, and so some of them have been doing this for, since the 80s when um, we do, when, when most of stop motion was done with clay. <laughs> right. uh, and, like, was, like, claymation, which our show sometimes gets branded as claymation and, and actually only parts, only very small parts of it are clay. Most of it is, um, is actually like wire armatures with silicone and our, um, the puppets are, and our, uh, the, so for Ike, the grocery store clerk and the effect that happens with his head, there was one animator specifically, um, an animator named Chris at that house who Chris is a really a genius animator with clay and he he really fine-tuned that effect for us. He knew he helped us find the exact color that we wanted. We Vernon and I found a Pantone that we liked, and we had to match the color exactly. The color had to be approved by the network. Um, and so we, we had to match that color, and we had to maintain that color throughout the rest of the episode. So, so that was very important. For all the shots, the color had to stay the same. Um, and then also he helped us figure out how to make the clay always look moist <laughs> yeah. um, that word. Um, yeah. and always look like it was in the process of, of moving uh, and not look like it was dry and had fingerprints all over it, like traditional right. claymation can look sometimes. Um, 
So we we did a lot of experimenting and R and D in that, and actually it was we were lucky because we had Chris through pre production to do that kind of work and to really fine tune how um, the clay was going to work uh, on set. And then whenever we had any animator other than Chris working with the clay effect, he would brief the animator for me how that clay effect would work mm. and um, would help us. So it literally is all practical. So everything that comes out of Ike's head is um, practical. And it uh, there is, we probably enhanced it a little bit um, uh, just with like, you know, kind of glow effects and lighting effects in the end. Sure. But um, it was a physical object. Uh, like every, every bit of it is physical object. It sounds so, I like talking about it in these cryptic, terms <laughs> um, uh, but everything that hits anybody else is a physical object and um and uh we we tried to make sure it was it stayed um in in situ in the shot it actually existed in the shot that it was being shot in all the time so yeah <laughs> it, was, it's, it's, it was not it's, easy no, it's crazy stuff like that. Like, this show will kind of blow your mind from a number of different levels. And I kind of sit there almost like catatonic sometimes trying to process everything that's happening. Because from, like, a narrative standpoint, it's just kind of like, what is happening? But then from a, a, a production kind of trying to understand the nuts and bolts of what we're seeing on screen and having to keep reminding myself, you know, and I've been covering animation for well over a decade. I've been a fan since I was a kid. But having to keep reminding myself that, like, all of this stuff has a human, you know, touch to it, frame by frame, created, fabricated, rigged, and then animated step by step by step. And then it's interesting, you talked about texture too. So we get this range of textures from, again, I go back to Cronenberg body horror, the very organic kind of slimy, wet, living tissue. But then you also get a, a transition to things like, I don't know, let's say a, a twisted uh, hunk of metal and gears that maybe looks like a, a crashed car. Uh, you have a different sort of set of textures there. So was that a particularly yeah. challenging build? It looked incredibly intricate, especially to have to have it in all those different scenes. Yes, it was. Thank you so much for pointing it out. Because, it's incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. They're going to be, the, the guys who 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 built it are going to be so happy that, that you noticed. So thank you. Um, uh, they... <laughs> um they're just the they're just the greatest and um my my art my art department this season uh they worked like hell and they cared so much about every tiny little thing that we were doing and um uh they that car was actually it's it's technically a puppet but it was built by the art department right. and um it it was, there were, it, so often in animation, you're, you're assembling, you're spending a lot of time assembling a lot of little pieces, and only at the very end does it ever start to look like something, hmm. and, and then all of a sudden one day, it's the thing that you were trying to do, and you, but with that car, we, when we got it to the thing that we were trying to do, we were like, is it like, cause we were so deep in it. We were like, is it actually looking how we want it to be? And then it, and then all of a sudden I saw it on camera. We brought it in, we put it on set and we were like, yes, it's it. We did it. Oh my God, we did it. Cause it's like, it's such an odd thing. And, and Vernon and I specifically, we didn't want it to, we wanted it to feel like a car, 
more for feel like what it is. I don't want to say too much about sure, what it right. actually is, but we wanted it to feel like what it is more than just show it literally as that thing, um, because it becomes its own entity. So we wanted it to have a a more spiritual connection uh, to the audience in the way that it looks and that it so that it wasn't just just an object. So it had a more subjective relationship with the audience by actually looking more subjective than what it really could look like. Um, and it was really important to get that exact. And also it had to have an exact shape that could be uh, also modular for different scenes and different things that it has to do. Um, and that was it. Cars in general in stop motion are very difficult, and I could get really super technical with you. All cars in stop motion are difficult, uh, but this car specifically is its own thing. I I couldn't even I it's I'm really proud of it. So thank you for mentioning that. And then also just to get back to your question about texture, sure. Um, after the pilot, uh, Vernon and I we really we we do I do think in the pilot we got a lot of range of texture, but we learned in the pilot that we could have more. And so we really tried throughout season one and now especially in season two, to show all different ranges of the texture that we can play with with this show. Because um, I feel like when you're making something practical, the thing that connects most with the audience is the imagination that that, that that thing exists in real life and you can almost feel it inside of you. You can almost feel that that thing is a real thing inside of you. And I, and I think you, that, that hammers home even more every time you add another texture to the environment. So I always try yeah. to make sure of that. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I could honestly talk to you for hours about all the technical stuff, but in the interests of, of also making that connection back to, to what you've mentioned a couple times now, the sort of the spiritual connection side, wanting to have a story that actually means something, can you walk me through kind of your and Vernon's story-breaking process before you even get into all the hands-on stuff? Because a lot of these stories are kind of, they feel non-sequitur, but they also do have kind of a, a through line that is maybe revealed at the end, but... What is your story breaking process like? Because to me, it's just very, <laughs> it's just very uh -huh. cerebral, but like kind of out there a little bit. Yeah. Um, so Vernon writes the show, mm -hmm. and um, our so as far as like the breaking process, I I, I kind of can't take take credit for that. I I sort of, I guess um, early on when we were first when we first met and we were kind of brainstorming what kind of show we would want to make. Um, we talked a lot about these kind of stories and these kind of ideas. But when Vernon writes, he goes away and does it and then brings scripts to me that, that are these, are what you see on screen, except they sound, the, like, the, the visual stuff, it, it's hard to even imagine how it could exist physically. Um, so, but when he writes, I think, this is what I have gathered from working with him, so it's, it is a guess, but, um, and I should have asked him this question. It makes me <laughs> want to ask him this question, but um, I, I think that Vernon looks around at the world and, and, has, and, and has, like, sort of a, an amazing way of emotionally connecting themes um, that that expand your perception of what that, what that theme was in the first place, mm. um, by showing you how it 
relates to other things that are happening in the world. And, and I think he, uh, some elements of the show, I think are derived from, from real things that he's experienced and other elements I think are completely, um, his own come just completely out of his own imagination and, and from an in between a space in between those real life and, and dream life. Um, and, and I think it comes from real dreams too that he's had. And, and we, I like letting him go and do it because when I read the scripts for the first time, it's like someone is giving me the best gift in the world because I get to imagine how we're going to make this thing physically possible. Right. And that's as a director, like my favorite thing in the world is to read a script and have to figure out how to make something that sounds crazy actually um exists physically and um and vernon does that better than anyone else in my opinion he he writes things that are poetic and 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 um kind of transcend uh visual language in a way that i haven't read before at least in my own career and i I love to. I love the challenge of having to figure out how to, how to, do justice to the script and make the a visual thing that looks the way the script feels. And that's it's my favorite thing in the world. So so what we he and I get together and we sit and talk through the scripts and we talk through every single second of of content in the script and. We, we I, he, I ask him 800 questions, and I and I draw what I'm picturing in my head, and I show it to him, and and he'll like he'll he he likes to try to draw with me, <laughs> and uh, and we um we like uh, do um we we like go back and forth about like what it's gonna be and how it's gonna look and how it's gonna move from the scene to scene, and sometimes we'll block out a whole scene, and then we'll get to a part and we'll be like, oh shoot, we didn't this has to happen. And for this to make sense, we actually have to go back and completely rework where we saw this other thing in the first, you know, and right. it's my favorite. It's, a, it's the best puzzle. It's, it's the best gift. I love it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I that's, guess, no, that's great. I think puzzles a great way to kind of, uh, to get that point across, but has there ever been something in one of his scripts that you've worked through that you're just like, there's no way we can do this. And then on the flip side of that question, has there ever been something in his scripts that you're like, there's no way we can do this, but we'll try. And then we're super proud with how you pulled it off. <laughs> oh man. Yes. Yes to both of those, but I'm trying to think of what they are. Um, we have, we always do what's in the script. We always, as even as much as we um, can't afford to and don't have the time or money to do it, we end up doing it. And I right. think that that actually brings a lot of the character into the show. And I don't, you know, like, we don't want the show to look CG. We don't want the show to look uh, like it was all done on a computer. And 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 so I think that the, the limitations that we have for some of the more insane concepts in the show actually help the show in the long run. It's really hard in production. Um, I would say that uh, there are, there's been many things where even through the animatic process, which is what we what we do is we, we make our... Our animatics are so our our storyboards and animatics are so insanely detailed because oh I bet after yeah. we lock them we do not change anything at all right and um and also then Vernon also 
let's kind of lets it go a little bit so that we can actually like get the show made. Um, because if we are changing things at all after that point, there's no way we'll get the show done. So, so we always try to lock everything, um, uh, very strictly and, and we, and then we follow the animatic extremely strictly so that we are delivering what, what he's expecting and, and what I'm wanting. Um, but so, uh, Let's see, in season in season two, something that I thought would be really hard that we actually pulled off. <sighs> I need so many, uh, so many things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, oh, gosh. The, oh, um, don't need to put you on the spot. Yeah, if anything comes to mind, that's fine. Yeah, well, the Goo Monster in episode sure, one. Yeah. Uh, him walking through the town and and the city filling with goo, that was crazy. Um, and um, oh my gosh, I never think of the right things when it, it's when I'm asked these. And I well, I what's to... what's crazy is that like I just get to watch this as like an eleven or twelve minute animated short that's like fully polished and finished and everything's put together. But you guys have you know months of of you know frame by frame, maybe a couple of seconds of animation a day if you're lucky. Um, to, to put into all that. So our scales are very different in terms of how we get to experience these things. Yeah. I still, um, I always have to, I always say that I have need to break up with my work after I finish it. <laughs> like I sort of have to, um, not look at it for a while right. for only like a few months, like a couple months or three months, because otherwise there's no way I'll ever be able to watch it even close to, to with the same neutral perspective that an audience can watch it with, sure. even though it's sort of, I think part of the director's job to always watch it with that neutral perspective, but it gets kind of hard toward the end with intricacies of animation. Um, with live action, I, I find it easier to disassociate, but with, um, with animation, it's, it's really hard. And it's so funny because Vernon and I both had this experience this season with this one in that we finished it a couple months ago. And then just like a few days ago, we were like, what did we make? Like, what, what are those episodes? What did we do? Like, I, I don't even know, because we both are, like, so, still so recovering from what we made. Uh, uh, but, yeah, the, the Goosebump in episode one, the, mm, yeah. the, the Goo Monster in, in, in episode one, episode two, I mean, the, those mini moms in episode two. Oh, yep, yep. Those were extremely. I didn't know if we'd be able to pull those off because of the, all the scale differentials. Yeah. Um, and then three. Uh, everything. <laughs> three. I'm really <laughs> proud of three. Three is. I. It's. I, I think it's. It's one of my favorite episodes we've made. Uh, although I love all the episodes. Uh, three is super detailed and and I'm and I'm really proud of it. Uh, the end scene, the last scene in three. The last two scenes of three are insane, and I and I'm I can't believe we pulled those off. The scale of those, um, and then four is also extremely intricate and has a lot going on, um, and I'm really uh, trying to think of like it's hard to pull out anything specific from four because it's it it's actually the most like the pilot I think of a lot of our episodes um, in okay. that it goes from it goes from one place to another to another and then it comes back and then it it's there's I, a lot of um intricacies within the 
different storylines. Um, and, and then, uh, five is, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, the schoolyard scene in five is, is I was worried about and it came out really well, I think. Well, that's a good tease, because I have yet to see uh, the oh kind of gosh. final three episodes, so I'm, oh I'm in the same boat as all the viewers out there who are waiting to check these things out. But but before yes. I run out of time with you, um, yeah. first, I, I just want to say thanks to you and Vernon and the team for just for the fact that this exists in the world. It's kind of in my headcanon with, like, you know, Starovich and Svankmeyer and even and Phil Tippett. Like, I kind of just, I put it in that category now, and I get to, like, go and enjoy that kind of bizarro stop-motion animation that actually means something and i love that thank you that means the world to me those are that i'm very honored by that thank you thank you um and then as my kind of final question it's more of one for the fans out there who are listening but what is your kind of tease for season two and what is your hope that viewers get out of this batch of episodes oh my gosh uh um my tease is that there's um there's, I'm really curious if the viewers can uh, decipher some of the crazy references that we have in, yeah. in this season. And, um, I, and then also just, I really hope they connect with it emotionally. I know that that sounds crazy, but I, I feel like each episode has an emotional thread that is really special and specific to that episode. And I, I hope it comes through. I, I hope they can relate to it <laughs> in a way. Um, and then what was the other question about, Oh, what was your other question? Basically just any teases you had for season two, but I think that what viewers yeah. get out of it, I think is, is solid too. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's the main thing. And then, um, yeah, I just really, I really hope, I really hope it comes across. And I, I, I mean, I, I hope they're. I hope they like it as much as they like season one, if not, if not a little more. <laughs> Absolutely, I can't speak for the rest of the viewers out there, but I loved it. I love going back and watching this again just to try to figure out what is going on and what I'm feeling at any given moment. But thank you so much <laughs> yeah. again for season two, and thanks for hanging out with me in this uh, this <laughs> abode, this cathedral of the damned. I'm not sure what we're calling it, but uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for hanging out with me. <laughs> Absolutely.